following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. All right, let's pray this morning before we get into the Word. Lord, we have spent the morning praising you. You deserve every bit of praise that we can give you and so much more. Lord, I just ask that as we gather here and we kind of turn our attention to you and turn our hearts towards you, that you would just speak into our lives today, that you would um, push me aside and, and speak the words you want to speak to everybody, and that we would grow closer to you and stronger in our calling and uh, courageous in the, in the things that we do. Um, so speak through me and... Um, yeah, help this to be a really growing time. In your name, amen. Right, well, in Reuben's absence, I get to preach one of my favorite stories in the Bible, which actually is also one of his favorite stories. I could definitely tell a twinge of jealousy in his voice when I told him I was preaching from Joshua 1.9, and I, you know, just laughed at that, I guess. But um, I love this story, except it's not actually a story. Um, it's not even really an event or even a teaching. This is a moment in time. And actually, if I'm being honest, it's not really a moment that's described in the Bible itself, but a picture painted by the words at the beginning of the book of Joshua. So I'm going to read these words to you, and then we'll get into it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give, you, give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all of the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Okay, so the moment that I picture in my head I picture this moment of Joshua sitting atop a mountain. Maybe it's Mount Nebo um, in modern-day Jordan. And I don't know if this is the place where God spoke those words to him, or if God spoke those words to him and now he's kind of thinking that through and he's wandered up this mountain, and he's sitting there and he's mulling it all over. I just picture Joshua gazing out at the view in front of him. As the sun's kind of coming up, 
behind him, it reveals this lush, beautiful green valley in front of him, the promised land, the land that had been promised to the Israelites, a land they had been waiting for for 40 years. And so as a man who had been wandering around a barren wilderness for 40 years, to be looking at this lush, green, prosperous country ahead of him, it must have filled him with such a sense of relief and joy and excitement. Now, maybe there was some of that. But if Joshua was being honest with himself, the main emotion that was coursing through his veins was not excitement or relief or joy, but fear. Fear of what lay before him. I mean, he tried to put on a brave face, but if the fact that God told him uh, three times in the span of six sentences to be strong and courageous probably meant he wasn't hiding it very well. God saw right through that. And the source of Joshua's fear was this first sentence that God spoke to him. In verse 2, blunt as it was life-changing. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Now, Joshua had been traveling and working for Moses for more than 40 years. He had been his special aide, his 2IC, second in command, that whole time, and he loved it. He loved working for Moses. Just seeing how God was using this powerful man to, to lead his people out of Egypt in miraculous fashion into the wilderness, how God had provided food for them and water for them, how he had dealt with the complaining Israelites time and time again, how he had led them with strength and courage. He loved being a part of all of that. He loved getting sent into the land as a spy and coming back and, and giving that report when everyone else was scared of him and one other guy, they were saying, we can do this. He was proud of his position. He was proud to be an aide to one of the greatest figures in the short history of Israel. But now, like so many vice presidents and princes throughout history, death had thrust him into the primary role. Now it was on him. Now the buck stopped with him. He had to lead the people. He had to deal with the complaining and the bickering. He had to fulfill God's promise to them to lead them into this new land. Oh, and by the way, defeat all of the armies that were protecting it, including the towering walls of Jericho that dominated the view in front of them. But there was no escaping it. I mean, the words echoed through his mind, have I not commanded you? Joshua had absolutely, unequivocally been called. And this is one of my favorite passages because I resonate so personally and so closely with this moment that Joshua is in. The moment of understanding God's calling in his life and the fear that comes along with it. In fact, it's a moment I'm very much living out in my life right now. 
Some of you might know Molly and I have felt the call to get back into starting new churches. We're going to be starting a new church in the next couple of years, which is what we did in Christchurch before we came up to Auckland five years ago. And you're going to be hearing a lot more details about that, so watch this space. But this calling that God has put on my life has put me in a similar position to Joshua. I have unequivocally, absolutely been called. And so now I'm sitting on my hilltop, gazing out at the valley of my future. And I can understand the mixed emotions that Joshua must have experienced. I mean, don't get me wrong, I am excited I am excited to be involved in this new church plan. I'm excited to be called by God. I'm excited to see a future that is absolutely God-led and God-driven. I'm proud to have been called by Him. I'm excited to see God flex His muscles. But the whole thing scares me to my very core. Because there are so many obstacles to overcome. So many emotional and spiritual landmines to clear. So many Jerichos to conquer. And so I hear God's words to Joshua. I read them on my page. And I feel like they're echoing down through the centuries. And they're shouting through history off the page and directly aimed right at me. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And you know what? These words are for you too. I don't know what God's calling in your life is. You may be called to something very specific. God may be asking you to make some big moves, to make some big decisions, to step forward in faith in a major way. He may be asking you to do something that scares you. And so his words to you are simple. Be strong and courageous. But maybe God isn't calling you to something specific. And this is the thing about calling, isn't it? Because sometimes God singles out people to do a specific task. But sometimes he doesn't. But that doesn't mean we're not called. The Bible is littered with callings that apply to all of us. The calling to worship Him with everything that we have. The calling to go out and share the gospel with the people around us. The calling to help the oppressed and the needy. To look after the poor. And the calling to love one another. We tend to not really value these calls as much. We tend to kind of, yeah, I mean, they're there. Because they're everyday things, right? I mean, it's not a specific calling. This is not something I can hang my particular hat on. This is something for everybody. But we shouldn't undervalue it at all. Because God's words in Scripture don't pull any punches about what He is expecting from us. His words, have I not commanded you apply every bit to these callings as they did to Joshua or to me or to anyone else? Have I not commanded you to worship me? Have I not commanded you to look after those less fortunate than you? Have I not commanded you 
to tell other people about me, to make disciples? Have I not commanded you to love each other the way that God loves Himself and the Trinity? There is no way around it. You have been absolutely, unequivocally called. So come with me. Come on up the mountain with me. Not literally, of course. Come on up and take a seat next to me and Joshua. And let us ponder and mull over the future that God has laid out for us. Let us look out at this valley. And let us acknowledge the fear that often takes over. Because we all have fear about these callings, don't we? I mean, sure, some of these callings I've mentioned, they don't, they don't sound so bad, do they? I mean, it doesn't sound so bad to worship God, right? Till we start singing words like, I surrender all. Or, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord on the road marked with suffering. And there's pain in the offering. Blessed be His name. I, that's not so easy. <laughs> you mean you're telling me I actually have to worship Him when I don't feel good? I have to worship Him when I think He is abandoning me? I have to worship Him when things are going wrong? Well, hang on. Sharing our faith doesn't sound so horrible until it comes to the time you actually have to, you know, open your mouth and say something to someone. Looking after the poor and the needy, that's good. Till the time that you've been invited out to Jesus on the streets on a Friday night and it's like, oh, this is real now. I have to actually get amongst people. Mm. Loving one another, that's nice. Until you actually have to strike up a conversation with someone you don't know on a Sunday morning after the service. Make them feel welcome. Make them feel like part of the community. And yes, I've just mentioned things that I have fears of. We all sit on that mountain. We all gaze out at this valley and we all have the sense of dread, of fear. And the question becomes, are we going to let this fear take over? Are we going to let it win? Or are we going to be strong and courageous? This is the other thing I love about Joshua. I mean, there's no doubt he's afraid. I mean, apart from the three times in this passage, God says to be strong and courageous. There's another time God tells him, Moses tells him, heck, even the people tell him to be strong and courageous. He is clearly shaking in his boots. He felt the pressure of filling the shoes of Moses, this amazing figure, someone who is still revered as one of the greatest figures in biblical history. He's obviously intimidated by the strength of these armies that he's about to come up against. He saw them up close and personal, remember? He knows who they are. He was daunted by this massive responsibility of leading God's nation. Not just any nation, not just any country, but God's country. You don't want to mess that up, right? Because there's a lot at stake here. But for all of his fear, he stepped out. He did it. He stepped forward. He was strong, he was courageous, and he did it. And as far as we can tell from the story of Joshua, he never looked back. Never looked back. 
So while this moment was defined by his hesitation, his overall legacy was one of determination, strength, and success, and courage. And that's what I want. You know, that's what I want for my legacy. I don't mind being afraid. I don't mind having fear. That's normal. It's human. It means I'm aware of what I'm about to step into. But I don't want that to define me. I don't want my life to be defined by giving up and stepping back. I want to have Joshua's legacy. I want to get to the end of my life and be able to look back and say, I did it. It was hard. I was afraid. And certainly God was the one who pushed me forward, but I did it. I stepped out. Do you want that? So how do we do this? I mean, how do we become strong and courageous? How do we step forward like this? I mean, is it a matter of just kind of puffing up our chest, taking three deep breaths and fake it until you make it? No. I think we probably understood that that's not true. And that's what's great about this passage because it gives us a perfect recipe for being strong and courageous, for stepping forward and for living a life of calling. And it's in verse 7 and 8, it's just one ingredient. I like recipes with only one ingredient. I can handle those. Joshua 7 and 8. Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua's success was directly tied to how well he followed God's instructions, the law that had been given to them. He meditated on it day and night, kept it on his lips. It's right there at the forefront of his being. Not to deviate from it at all. See, we have this beautiful, grossly underused book called the Bible. It's a fantastic book. And if you stop and you think about how this book came together, what this book actually is, it's amazing. These are God's words to us. This is his instruction manual for us. It's not just the story of God's unfailing love, although it is. It's a story of how God brought us and reconciled us to him. It's an amazing story, but more than that, it is also an instruction manual for how to live a life that is prosperous and successful. And I believe that prosperous in this term is not a financial thing, but a successful term. To live Joshua's life, to not be defined by fear or hesitation, but to live out our calling, whatever that calling may be, all the days of our lives. It's in here. I want to I read a passage. This might be a little different um, to the words up on the screen, but you know what? That's good too sometimes. Psalm 119. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's all right. Just nine verses. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. 
Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Nine times in nine verses. He says, get in this book. Keep it in your heart. There's another story I love that kind of illustrates this in a slightly different way. This one from the New Testament. Um, And it's the story of Peter stepping out on the water and and walking to Jesus out on the water. I want to read it to you real quick. It's from Matthew chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. A lot of interesting stuff happens on mountainsides. A lot of reflection Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. By the way, have the disciples ever taken a boat trip that didn't end in a storm? I don't know. It just, at some point, you just got to think, I'm going to take the train, all right? So shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, as you do. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. (laughs) Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Now, if there is ever a character in the Bible who is the polar opposite of Joshua when it comes to facing his calling, it's Peter. This man had no hesitation. He asked for his calling. He said, hey, invite me out. I'll do this. You know, and he's got one leg over the side before Jesus even has a chance to answer it. He's on the water and walking before his brain even catches up to what's happening. There is no issue with Peter's stepping into his calling. He has all of the courage and strength that you could ask for. He's an early adopter. His problem comes just a little bit down the road. Verse 29, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Peter's problem came after he launched headfirst into his calling. Everything was fine until he realized how difficult this was going to be. He suddenly looked around and saw how big the waves were. He saw the wind buffeting everything around. He remembered his high school science class that said people can't walk on water. And he began to sink. Hmm. So what's the correlation here? Peter's problem wasn't the waves. 
Peter's problem wasn't the fact that it's impossible to walk on water. That didn't stop him at the beginning. He was fine at the beginning. The waves had no power over him now. What changed? Not to be cliche, but he took his eyes off Jesus. He started looking around at the problems instead of focusing on the solution. And with his eyes off Jesus, he realized it was impossible. And so this is how Joshua and Peter can both help us in our own lives. As you step forward into your calling, whatever that calling is, keep your eyes on Jesus. Get into this book. Find him in here. Search him out. Keep your focus squarely on Christ, on God, and on the way he has asked us to live. If we can remain in him, nothing is impossible. Do you want to know what the theme verse for our church plant, or at least our team at the moment, is going to be? John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Fact. This is one more truth that Joshua gives us, or more accurately, that God gives us through Joshua's situation. It's a promise, really. Actually, it's uh, the most common promise in all of the Bible. This is where we get to our favorite verse here, verse 9. In the second part, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I loved earlier on in the passage God says, no one will be able to stand up against you because as I was with Moses, in the same way I was with Moses, I will be with you also. Now read the book of Joshua and tell me that that did not come true. Read that book and tell me that God was not there every step of the way. He was. All the days of his life, no one could stand up to him. Because God was with him. He always keeps his promises. And there is no promise in Scripture closer to God's heart than this one. It's the promise that defines everything that he did. It's the promise that defines the entire biblical story. That God would be with his people. He will be with you. So you know what? Yes, the valley before us is full of danger, treachery, difficulty. The walls of Jericho are high and strong. The armies that protect are strong. The obstacles that are going to come along in our life are not going to be easy. Impossible even. But perhaps 
that's okay. Perhaps, maybe, if the God who created the universe by, you know, chatting about it, if the God who led the Israelites out of Egypt with a powerful hand, who split the Red Sea in half so they could walk out on dry land, the God who provided food in the wilderness where there was no food, water where there was no water, if the God who can do all of that to sustain his nation in 40 years of inhospitable, impossible land, if the God who can do all of that says, I will be with you, maybe, maybe, He can handle the problems that are going to come our way. So maybe fear is okay, but it is not what is going to define us. Be strong and courageous. Because I will be with you wherever you go. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the calling that you've put in my life. You say in First Timothy, Lord, that it is an honor to be chosen by you because it shows that you trust us to do what you've asked. It's kind of nice to think about. And you've called all of us to live our lives for you, to worship you, to share our faith, to help those in need, to love each other, These are callings that are so close to who you are and you want us deeply to do them. Lord, we admit, we confess that we are afraid to step forward into these callings. And your words speak truth to us. Be strong and courageous for you'll always be with us. Help us to take those words as we sit on our mountain, as we look out at our valleys, help us to be filled with courage and strength that only your Spirit can give us, the peace that transcends all understanding, that covers our hearts and minds in your name. And it is in your name that we pray all of this. Amen. There is another person in the Bible who exhibited strength and courage in the face of some pretty difficult situations. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before he is about to be crucified, or the night of his trial and crucifixion. He knows knows that his time has come to an end. He knows that pain and suffering are ahead of him, not just by human hands, but by the hands of his Father. He knew what was about to happen, and it affected him so much that he's sweating blood. I don't know if he was thinking about Joshua at that moment. But he was strong, and he was courageous so that we could live our lives with Him and eternity with Him. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz 
or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.